We want to teach our children to negotiate their emotions. And what better way to do that than by looking to Scripture? And that's what we'll be doing today here on Family Life's Inside Out, where we look at how God transforms His people from the inside out. I'm Martha Manikis Foster, and my guest today is author Courtney Reisig, author of the recent Gospel Coalition article, Use the Psalms to Teach Kids About Feelings. Welcome back, Courtney, to Inside Out. Thank you for having me. The last time we talked was 2012. I'm so glad to have you back. You know, we all want our children to be able to weather difficulties. That's pretty universal. We want them to bounce back from hardship in a healthy way. We want them to grow to be resilient. But when it comes to guiding our children through their emotions, as parents, you say that we tend to fall into a couple of predictable ruts. So, Courtney, what are the pitfalls parents gravitate toward when it comes to their children's emotions? Yeah, I think there's two kind of common pitfalls that we fall into as parents when it comes to navigating their emotions. I think one of the things that we we see often, especially in in our modern parenting age, is that we want to protect them from hard things, which is a natural impulse as parents. We we naturally want to shield and guard and protect our children because God created us to protect them. God protects us, and so we image Him in protecting them. Mm -hmm. We love them so deeply that we don't want them to experience hard things. And so we fall into that pitfall in that we protect them too much. We don't allow them to experience the reality of living in a broken world and then learn how to to handle that while they're in our home and under our roof. I think another thing that we do is is we don't we don't shield them from those hard things, but even even more than that is when they experience hard things, we discourage them from from expressing emotion, so we mm-hmm. want to suppress it. So I think we always fall into kind of two two ends of a spectrum. So we either want to protect them too much from experiencing hard things, or we don't want them to feel or express those hard things when, when life happens. And so I think parents have to to ask themselves which one of those two things they tend to fall into. And we all we all probably know which one we fall into, mm-hmm. or if we stop to think about it, we would know. Um, but I think those are kind of those two pitfalls that we gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think we would all agree that feelings are complex. We really do want children to be able to express them in a healthy way. You believe the Old Testament book of Psalms can help for a number of reasons. In fact, you've called the Psalms your lifeline. Some of the ways in which you say that they can be helpful is that they help us show that feelings are good things. So how do you say that the Psalms do that? Yeah, so the Psalms are poetry. So if you're familiar with just poetry in general, poetry tends to, like songs, speak from a place of emotion and speak from a place of feeling. So it takes uh, real human experiences and then puts words to that. And so the Psalms, like our modern poetry, do the same thing. And in the Psalms, what, one thing that helps us to see is the Psalms are written in a historical context in the Old Testament. So oftentimes the Psalms are corresponding to real historical events that we can read about uh-huh. in, in the historical books, like First and Second Samuel, and they're written from Moses all the way through King David and even through the exile. And so what we realize is that the Psalms are filled with so much emotion. You've got questions of how long will you forget me? Or like Psalm 88, where Psalm 88 tells us that darkness is our only friend and they feel like everyone, including God, has forgotten them. Mm-hmm. And so the Psalms speak to very real feelings and very real emotions. And that, that's helpful to us because as, as feeling beings, God created us to feel things. And then he's given us a whole book of the Bible that teaches us how to navigate those feelings and to express those feelings back to God. And I say back to God because if you notice in the Psalms, all of them are directed, are, are many of them are prayers or songs mm-hmm. that we sing back to God. And so we take all of our feelings and all of our emotions, and then we move them towards the only one who can do anything with what we're feeling. Mm. 
But, you know, but just because we feel something, it, it doesn't mean we should, like, act on every feeling, right? Oh, sure, of course not. So whenever we're, we feel something or, or want to do something, we always need to ask, how does it line up with Scripture? And so using Scripture to interpret Scripture, right? So right. the Psalms are never a license to sin. Our feelings are never a license to sin. So just because I feel something, so I feel like punching something right. sometimes. Well, right. that's that, that's not right, because it's a sinful expression of anger to punch the wall or to punch another human being. And so we, we always have to, to take our feelings and our emotions and, and hold them next to the mirror of Scripture and ask, is this something that God says is good and right to feel and to express? I think another thing, too, when you think about your feelings is, is acknowledging that you feel something. So I feel like punching something. Right, Well, that's right. okay to say I feel like doing that. It's the action of sinning that we, we want to take in line under the authority of Scripture. So, yes, just because we feel something doesn't mean it's a license to sin. Right. So you mentioned that the Psalms are the Psalm writers speaking to God, but you say that we have a model in the Psalms for sharing feelings along with others, with, with groups of people. How can that be helpful to children when they're learning to navigate their feelings? Yeah, so we are, we're not lone rangers, and so God created us to be in community with, with, with Him, obviously, but also with one another. Mm-hmm. And so the home is, is a child's first community. And so we're teaching our children how to learn how to express and be human beings and grow into fully functioning adults. They learn that here, and so they learn how to express their feelings and their emotions and a whole host of things of how to live in community while they're in our home. And so one of the things that we can do with our children that's helpful is recognizing first that they're image bearers, that they're created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, that they have, they have feelings like we have feelings. They experience the world like we experience the world. They experience heartache and disappointment and struggle mm-hmm. and pain and anger. And so allowing them space to be able to say, I'm really disappointed about that. And mm-hmm. then asking what we can do with that feeling. And so the Psalms are helpful for us in that we, we're taking our children to the scriptures and saying, you're, you're sad over the transition that we're walking through. And so God's people have been walking through transition for a long time or envy. So Psalm 73 speaks specifically about envy. And you can mm-hmm. say, I look at that person over there and they're getting all the things that I want. Mm. Well, the psalmist felt that way too. And so taking your children to Psalm 73 and saying, why are the wicked prospering? Why, why is he getting everything when I'm not getting anything? Mm. And then seeing that only when we go into the sanctuary of God, only when we take our request to God and see his purposes in the world, can we make any sense that he's the only one we should desire. And so I think giving them language and learning how to navigate that. But I think first and foremost, just making it okay to talk about how Mm, you feel mm. and giving them space for that, I think is huge because a lot of the times we fall into those pitfalls because we weren't given those spaces as a child. And Mm -hmm. as we grow into adulthood, we we feel like we have to suppress our feelings because we were never taught how to express them rightly. And so I think that that's the starting point of recognizing that they're image bearers who feel like we feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our feelings should be respected. You're talking about naming those feelings. Uh, Our feelings Mm -hmm. are are Mm -hmm. real, but they're not our best or like only guide. So how have you helped children to learn to respect feelings, but not always trust them? You know, there's the the ditch on both sides of the road here. How do we drive down the middle? I think going back to letting Scripture interpret Scripture, and so remembering what is true, I think back to in in the Gospel accounts where the disciples are are in the boat, there's a storm, and they look at Jesus and say, don't you care that we are perishing? And I heard Tim Keller in a sermon one time talking about this, that the rebuke to them was that they were accusing God of not caring, Mm -hmm. accusing Jesus of not caring. And that, that cannot be true, is He always cares. He never doesn't care about us. And so helping our children see that 
he might feel like he doesn't care about you, mm-hmm. but he can't not care about you. And so helping them to see what are these true, unchanging realities about who God is and how He works in the world, and then how do our feelings line up against it, as helping them to see that they might feel something, but their feelings are not the standard of reality and what's true. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're saying it's okay to, to have feelings, of course, and then to name those feelings and mm-hmm. get familiar with what the names of these are. And then there's not shame in having those feelings, but let's look at what's really real, what's really true, and put those together, that God continues to care even when we feel lonely or abandoned and mm-hmm. bring comfort to our children or help them to find comfort in the fact that God, while He appears silent, continues to be our companion. Yes, and I also think it's really important to have patience, too, mm. because think about, like, we we are so frail as well. How often do we come back to God with not trusting Him or not believing true things? And, and, and you look at the, the nation of Israel and how often they failed mm-hmm. to trust God and how patient God was with them, and He didn't cast them out, and He gave them so many opportunities to obey. And I think with our children, we want them to fit into the box immediately. We want them mm. to get this immediately. And, and they won't any, any more than we will, mm-hmm. and having patience with them that it takes time. And that sometimes in the Psalms, one of the things that's really striking to me is that sometimes in the Psalms, the psalmist cries out with these how long questions mm-hmm. for right. the whole psalm, and he never gets an answer. Mm-hmm. And and so he's just left in the, in the questions. And I think that that is a good reminder to us that sometimes we're going to have to sit in the questions with our children and not have an answer for them. In the same way that we're like that with other people, is we're going to sit in the confusion and the no answers and just let them be in that feeling of despondency, right. knowing that God hasn't left them and He will show up. He's always there. He's just hiding His face. I, I always think about the story of, of Elijah when he, when he was really despondent over how he was alone right. in being the prophet, and how God, um, when he kept saying, you have forgotten me, you're not, you don't care about me, and God puts him in the cave, and God feeds him and tells him to take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of saying, like, he doesn't even reveal himself to him. He says, I'm going to feed you, I'm going to take a nap, and he does it a couple of times, because Sometimes that's what we need to do for our children is feed them and make them go to bed or sit and, and watch a movie with them or read them a book or something, letting them calm down mm-hmm. instead of trying to get them to the point where we want them to believe the true thing. And that's hard as a parent because we want them to conform so quickly mm-hmm. in the same way that we want ourselves to. And um, that doesn't always happen because people are really complex. Mm, yes. A couple of things come to mind. One is that we have to constantly tell ourselves that we only got to the point that we're at after so many more years that we are at now, and that's imperfectly waiting on God. And they're young, right? They're new. And of course, it's going to take a lot longer. I mean, they're not going to immediately get it. And then the other thing is that, I mean, the Psalms of Lament often puzzled me, especially in times of great grief, because frequently you have the pouring out of of lament, and I could relate to that. And then there's the couplet at the end that is, but you are great, you are good, you are always with me. And I I would have a hard time with that. And then I heard a speaker, mm-hmm. and mind you, this is not, it's not part of the scripture, but the speaker suggested that we don't know how much time there was between the majority of the writing of that and that final couplet. Mm-hmm. That Yes, I've, I've yeah. actually heard that before too. Yes. And that brought me great comfort because it's, yes. it's not like, oh, Yes, I can pour out my lament, and immediately then I have to get in line that everything that I think is also what I feel. Right, right. I've I have heard that as well, and have found that incredibly helpful. And and then also like as a writer, I know 
yeah, sometimes you don't finish it right away. So you yes. write a little bit and then you come back to it. So yes. I have found that incredibly helpful as well. Yes. So, so Courtney, one final question. What have you found to be the most important lesson about feelings when a parent's aiming to nurture resilient children? I have, I have four children and they're all very different. Uh-huh. And I think it's really important to understand and try to figure out who they are as human beings and not to try to fit them in a box. My kids are all really close in age. And so I have a tendency to want to treat them like a herd. Uh-huh. And so I have a tendency to want to treat them all the same and that we all just kind of respond the same and do the same thing. And they all fall in line the same. And as they've gotten older, I've been convicted that I, that I need to give them freedom to be who they are and that mm-hmm. everyone responds and experiences the world and experiences suffering differently. I have some children who feel loss and pain differently than others mm-hmm. and giving them space to feel those things and acknowledge and not feel like they have to conform to how their other sibling is mm-hmm. has been really important for me and so I think I want them to feel known for who they are mm. and, and not who I want them to be yes and that's messier for you right I mean if you're just doing time oh, right, management right. right everybody's going to do the same thing and I'm going to have the one solution but this individualized parenting which is what we're called to it, right, it just right. is going to be messier, right? But right, right. It honors them individually. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. It is, and it takes it takes so much more time and so much more work. But I think I, I hope to pay off worth it. I think time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, blessings on you as as a parent as you do that individualized work and on your writing. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thanks for what you do to share with the rest of us and for joining me here today on Inside Out. Thanks for having me. My guest has been Courtney Reisig. Learn about Courtney and her book, Teach Me to Feel, by going to CourtneyReisig.substack.com. That's Courtney Reisig, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, altogether, .substack.com. I'm Martha Manikas Foster with Inside Out on Family Life 